Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Back here talking bikes, but it's beyond bikes, dude. I know we talked about this last episode too, but events are popping. And we had, like, um, you know, you know that first time, like the first day of school time, right? Mm-hmm. Where you had like your best outfit all laid out. I don't know if you did that. Right. We weren't, like, we didn't have it like some. The whitest of white shoes. Yeah. For the first you had the crisp shoes. The crisp, whatever it was, shorts, shirt, the yeah. hat, even a coordinating hat, if you could wear it, like the whole deal. The whole day two, I was a bag of rubbish, right? <laughs> like day two is all the shit from last year. Yeah. You know? Um, but day one laid out, and, and you the way you walked to school or around the halls, or, like you, you had, everyone had that, right? It was everyone's tops. Yeah. And uh, I kind of feel like Firecracker 50 was a bit of that for no ride around. Uh, as, as a team, for sure. Yeah, as a team, because we, uh, yeah, we've had great successes, but. We had so many racers, and beyond just having so many racers in the same kit, right? Yeah. We were the biggest presence at the finish line, both in celebrating the finishes, seeing us out. You know, like, we, it, it was awesome. Yeah. There was a big coming out, I think, for uh, No Ride Around as a team. Yeah, it was um, – I, I still don't know. I mean, I feel like it was, like, 15 or 18 racers. Yeah, that we ended up with because we had all the duo teams and the solos and all the deals, and so – yeah, we had it was a squad. Yeah. So suffice to say, we're going to do a little bit of a Firecracker Fifty recap. Which it's funny because I think more than last year, uh, in the bubble of quarantine and stay-at-home orders and and um, all that sort of stuff, somehow we were more consistent with producing content. Um, and this year. It's, it's everything. Your business is busier. My business is somehow busier. There's more real racing to participate in. There's more, 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 more. And uh, I even said something. I was like, ah, you know, we haven't really been doing a kind of our normal schedule, but, you know, get a little bit of a pass. And you're like, no, dude. No, we, no we passes. No passes. No. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know. Um, but I, the only reason I stick to getting a little bit of a pass is because we're out doing what we're talking about doing. No, you are. Well, you're right. And if if you guys are listening and you're like, well, man, they were doing two a month and now it's been like one every three weeks. We're back to two a month. We're going to get that hammer and, yep. uh, and get that down. But check out our YouTube channel also. And, and there's always going to be race recaps if, if we have the opportunity to put those together, which we did for Firecracker and most recently even for Silver Rush. So like, yep. hop on our YouTube channel and, and you can watch those recaps and see what it's like to be involved with the team racing. Um, because I think that's what's really unique. Uh, this year versus like the COVID year. And then the years before we didn't have a team. Yeah. Um, but being at a race as a team and with a team is, is so uniquely different than just going to a race as part of a team, but by yourself. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, there, I, I rewatched the silver rush uh, video today that you put together. And there's one moment, like I'm not like my emotional baseline is about a three. Uh, like, um, but there was one, uh, moment when, uh, Dan Swanson came across the finish line and like Bardo was there and like just the biggest hug. Like I just got chills thinking about it. like, but that, that to me, that really felt a lot of like how a, a good thing that summarized our, our, our team. It was just yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, 
it's funny trying to explain to somebody why to be on a team, right? Trying to explain to myself, like myself five years ago, yeah. why to be on a team, I would be like, no, this, this that's not for me. Good. Man, yeah. I'm good. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing is when these races finish, and if, if you're not like a super racer and you listen to us and you're like, well, dude, you're not talking to me. But when these races finish or events finish, like we all go back to a normal job right like we all like like i get home from a whole weekend of traveling and doing this and like glory and stand on a podium and then i get home and sunday night i gotta go to sprouts and buy groceries for the week <laughs> like, this. like there's still laundry to be done and you know yeah so uh you know it's but when you have a team it kind of it, it permeates through the week right yeah. yeah maybe i went to sprouts and got groceries but I came back home and I bought the one thing that someone else on the team was like, hey, have you tried? Like, there's just, there's, there's just more. Yep. Um, and, I, and I love what we're doing because there's, there's just more. And Firecracker 50 was, was a big I mean, it's showing of that. For sure. That, so, I mean, I didn't even know. Way back in October, um, I approached Bardo about, hey, is your, your place in, in Dillon available for the weekend? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, normally it wouldn't be. Um, but his wife wanted to go out of town. And so we had access to this amazing space that slept a bunch of people. Yeah, dude, it was like a pin pad. Let's just call it what it was. Yeah. Hot tub off the back. Yep. Like, and trails out the door. Yeah, tra- like we rode from the door to the door. It was awesome. His, yeah. uh, his garage was like every dude's wet dream. It's so like, and still had room for a car. Like yeah. if you really needed <laughs> to put a car in it, you could. I went back the following week because I had forgotten something there. And there was a car in there, and yeah. I still was able to. Anyway, yeah. He's got the front area. We had all the bikes. Then there's a middle like bike truing stand area. Then he had all the, like actual tools you would need to build some cool shit. And then he had every piece of gear that he must have got at every REI garage. Dude, sale. the gear closet was impressive yeah, to say the I least. I love you, Bart, but you a frugal mofo, so I know that those were REI garage sale pieces of <laughs> equipment in there. But you got all of them, and it was super dope. Um, and then Abby and I stayed in the. We actually slept in the garage. So, the, and that was the hilarious thing is, so I had heard about the the dirt bag loft, dirt bag loft, yeah, and. I literally pictured like sheetrock walls and like imagine like imagine I don't know if, if it's too old a movie but like something almost out of train spotting. Oh like, yeah, right. Like, With even the soiled uh, sheets. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just dirt bag loft. I think of like the dirt bags that I know. Yeah. That are real dirt bags. Not the uh, king size bed, <laughs> matching bedding, sixty inch TV. Like yeah. it, it, <laughs> it's, if, if that's a dirtbag loft, I can show you uh, some places. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, and then somebody mentioned, so there's like the way that you get into this loft is there's just a little ladder with like, I don't know, two and a half by two and a half hole cut in the floor. Probably. Yeah. It's not, not very big. No, no, no. How the F did they get the, the bed in there? No, that mattress was sewn there. It was <laughs> so they went to Denver Mattress Company. They go, we're going to buy this one, but we need to have the people that manufacture it come here just and come in, in and the make room. it. Yeah, I don't know how they get that up there. So suffice to say, we had um, an excellent launch pad for a great weekend. Um, we went up early on Friday. The race wasn't until Sunday. Um, and it's just one of those like being with your people, you know? Yeah. And so as everybody started rolling in, I think Colin and I may have been the last ones to get there because um, we got stuck in all the traffic. Um, but just being in a place where there's a, a, a focus for the whole house. And it's not to say that it's serious and, uh, you know, overwrought with like, oh, we're a bunch of racers, but 
just to have eight or 10 or whatever it is, people staying in a place with all with a common goal of going and doing something impressive on Sunday and everybody paddling the boat in that direction. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because we, we haven't got to talk about this yet, but um, and might be jumping a little forward, but I knew, I know that I'm running my length of rope a little bit with the old, uh, the old missus yeah. at home because while she did Firecracker 50, which was awesome, I was super stoked for her yeah. and Emily as teammates that they did the race. And I love to watch her race. Like I, as you see, I come peeling out of work as fast as possible to catch her at the midweek races. Like I love watching her race. Um, but I do a ton of races that she's not involved in and they're like all over the country. Right. And I always tell them like, well, it's a race. You know, I'm just going, I'm racing, I'm coming back, you know, and I play it down, but don't get it twisted. Like when I'm out of town for a race, like just how we were in Breckenridge for firecracker, like you're going to coffee shops, you're going to restaurants, you're like, yeah. it's a, it's vacation. Yeah. You know? It's for sure a vacation. So I knew I was going to run a little short at some point in time over this year. Cause it's a big travel year. Where she's gonna be like, all right, enough's enough, dude. Like, I'm coming with. Yeah. And uh, it happened sooner than I thought, just last weekend, actually. And she goes, "No, dude, it's it, like I'm coming with." And I was like, "Okay, you you're coming on the next one, but you have to race." I heard. That like, well, what do you mean I have to? Well, you have to race. You can't just you can't just roll. And it, I wasn't being a jerk about it. It was just if you come and you race, we're all on the same page. Right, we care about what we're going to eat for dinner. We care about what we're having for breakfast. We care about like we're not going to go walk around the shops for five hours because it doesn't make sense the day before. Like the racer mindset is not like you said; it's not super serious. Like we're not all blasting EPO in our ass, but we're we are like thinking about the same things. Well, and and that was you know the first time we ran into this was back at Breck Epic in 2019, and somebody that we raced with wanted to bring their significant other to the whole race. Yeah, and And we're just like like. It's not that it's a boys only thing. It's just if there's four people in a small space, they all need to be focused on the thing. Yeah. Um, and we had that. And not to say like we had a, a massive amount of space. Everybody was well spread out. But it was just it was it's just so cool because there is a, a lightheartedness because, you know, you had Friday, Saturday and I, I don't know when the last time I had a Saturday where I didn't have to do a damn thing. Oh, that was the, the day before the race is just Friday night was my favorite because you could stay up as late as you want. Cause you can sleep as late as you want. Cause yeah. the race wasn't until Sunday. It was a it's mini vacation. Yeah. You know, um, we don't take enough of those. No, I was having coffee yesterday and there's this couple and they're, they're a grinding couple. They work really hard and kudos to them. They've built like a cool online video program. That's just amazing in fitness. And I was sitting there and I was having a coffee and they were having a coffee and they're like, oh, what are you up to? I'm like, I'm just having this coffee, man. And they're like, yeah, but yeah, we need a caffeine. We got to go. And I was like, no, kind of like it's summer. And so I just don't kind of give a fuck. And they're like, what? And I was like, I mean, at eight years old, I realized how cool summer was. And I don't think I've ever matured from there. So I'm just going to sit back and kick it and enjoy this coffee. And like, whatever's going to happen, happens. And yeah. they, you could watch their like eyeballs exploded out of their head. And they're like, uh, we might need to do that a little bit more. It's, it's very funny to see how people, I'm sure you saying that you didn't give a fuck, stress them all the way out because oh, yeah. they give too much of a fuck. All of them. They give uh, all of them. They give enough for all of us. We were just, uh, went back to visit some family in North Carolina for the weekend. And, 
Um, one of my brother-in-laws, he really fun and cool story. And uh, this is one of Justin, uh, like a very Justin S tangent that comes back around to the point. So bear with me. <laughs> uh, right out of high school, college age, 18, 19, 20 years old, went and worked for Costco. Worked for Costco for 22 years. Quit, bought a van, built it out, and just is not doing anything except what, the, what he wants to do every day. And you can see, you can visibly see the stress in people's eyes when they're like, well, what do you do for money? He's like, don't worry about it. Like, I'm covered. I live in a van. <laughs> like, well, when are you going to go back to work? I don't know. Probably not for a long time. <laughs> like, like, people really, like, let their anxieties, like, get onto you when, when you're in that, like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm enjoying my coffee and reading a book. Yeah. It's... Um I I was actually I was visiting my dad last weekend as well on one of these trips and he said something to me growing up that it kind of it stuck with me now my dad by no means is like the role model for like long term planning <laughs> like he still works every day you know what I mean <laughs> but um, he's getting better but uh, he, I've always called him like a hedonist right Be, yeah, like yeah because he just like it's pure enjoyment. All Without the time. bounds. All right? the time. But he's super responsible. Like always, you know, he's like the 60 hour work week guy, but those other hours, it's going off, right? Uh-huh. But uh, he had said something one time, he was, dude, money is the easiest thing to get, right? It's the easiest thing in the world to get. Like if you, if every time you've ever needed, like back against the wall, like I have got, it, like it works out. And what you find is that either it works out or you eliminated the need for the money. <laughs> right, like, right. Like, oh man, I yeah. need this money, or I can't. I can't live in this house. Okay, right. then you just moved into an apartment, right? So, like, when people see you pull the stress away from things, they're uh-huh. like, "What the? What the hell?" And this actually, and I'm gonna, I'm going to help lasso this and pull it all the way back too, because yeah. uh, I'm reading this book, Effortless, right now. It's Greg McCown's follow-up book to Essentialism, and the whole concept of the book is that his first book, Essentialism, was about. Pairing things down in your life to just the essentials that that ultimately bring you the greatest value and joy, like your brother-in-law, a van, right? And the <laughs> things that he does in it, right? But um, with essentialism, it says, think of taking a fixed mason jar and you have a pile of rocks and you want to fill the mason jar. Well, it would make sense to put in the biggest rocks first and then smaller ones and then smaller and then pebbles and then maybe sand and you'd be able to fill that jar. But what a lot of people do is they take that big jar and they go, well, I need this big rock and that big rock and what they're out of space, yep. right? Real quickly. Um, and so uh, the other way they do it is they fill a bunch of the little rocks and then you can't even fit a big one in there. So essentialism was about what are your big rocks? Effortless is, hey, even busy people still have a lot of shit to do. That is really essential. So how to make it effortless. And that's what I've been reading for like the last couple of weeks is just these these mindsets around being effortless yeah. and um i think with bike racing in these events that we do the idea of being effortless is something that has really like stuck with me recently because i've been doing some very high um high stakes racing mm-hmm. right with what like nationals and this nue series like it feels very high stakes for me because i want i want the the best out of it um and sometimes I can get overstressed and like just overworked about the idea of the concept. And so moving to like this effortless thing has been pretty freaking cool. Like, what do you have to do to race a bike? Well, I there's a bunch of shit sure that I do and whatever, but like on that day, I just I gotta be at this spot at 
10 a.m. for Firecracker, right? Or what was it, 9 a.m.? It was way too late. It was like <laughs> sleeping. It was like cartoon sun, sun, Sunday time. Hey, I woke up at 6, and that was too early. Yeah. So I think we had to be at like 10 or 9, right? Yeah. 9 or 10. And then as soon as the gun goes off, the only thing you have to do in a bike race is just ride that bike as, as hard as you can. How freaking simple is that? Straightforward. Just ride this bike as hard as you can. Now, Firecracker 50 was a little cooler because we were the start of the 4th of July parade, yeah. which that whole event is just the cool. If you, you could be the biggest hack of a bike rider ever, but if you sign up for the Firecracker 50, you know what it's like to be in the Tour de France. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's super cool. Well, before we get to the start of the race, we need to rewind the clock just a little bit to the team dinner that we had at the house, which was like, it was just another one of those like super full feelings. Oh yeah. Um, well, and, we almost, and I do love that we caught each other for like eight seconds to be like, yo. <laughs> Dude, we, yeah, because we, we put, I mean, I know I, I put my size 12 foot all the way in my mouth. How so? Well, because remember the whole thing, like, even if you go to our No Ride Around website and like watch the video, like uh, the, the only reason that I wanted to make a team in, with you, with cool people, is because this motherfucker on a vout cycling didn't offer me a cheeseburger one time that's right fuck that guy yeah right yeah and then like fast forward to that weekend for firecracker we're like man okay we're gonna do food and do a team dinner and then we had a group of people say well can my friends come too and the first response out was like yeah but like make sure they bring some food because like we don't have enough to like feed the masses yeah and then i was like wait, wait a no. second dumb fuck this is yeah. like the whole reason yeah that so we went to the store and bought more shit we did and i bought a lot like you had the bonza locked down. You had the pasta all the way figured out. You had, like, what, eight pounds of it with you? Yeah, I weighed a stupid amount of boxes of bonza pasta. I brought six pounds of turkey. Yeah. And a four, four, and four and jars of sauce. red sauce. Still wasn't enough. Had you to still make went it. bought three more pounds of turkey. turkey. A bunch more sauce. More salad. Like we had more bought, boxes. We had a house full. I mean, there was 30 people. Probably 30 people and everyone f- like ate as much as they wanted. Yeah. And, and there we was, still had leftovers. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we did it right. We did. And nobody, and that, I think that was the thing is like, you want to make in that setting when people need to fuel for a race, you want to definitely have the, the vibe of like eat until you are full. Yeah. That's, you, you don't know, want people like doing weird little half servings being dude, like, well, no. I, I don't know if there's going to be enough for everybody, but no fuel yourself. If we need to go again, we'll go again. That's the scariest thing for me about like uh, pre-race dinners together, like hosting. Like, yeah, or, or no, or, or like, just being, like, the, yeah, yeah, being invited. Like, oh, yeah. guys, come over here, we'll have dinner at our. Like, yeah, but like, I need to smash exactly what I want. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. um, fortunately, everyone's running the same program, <laughs> and we're all drinking the same Kool Aid, <laughs> and so we all just had bonza and ground turkey and all the sauce. Well, and you you know, she, free equal shut the fuck up. Free like, does equal, except for that one guy's like, where are the drinks? <laughs> no, they're at the fucking in store, this, man. Drink, you need to be, drink water. <laughs> yeah. You need to be hydrating bro. anyway. Uh, we, did over, we did miss that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, drinks are out of the faucet, y'all. It's the Rocky Mountains. Um, just throw some noon in a, in a glass and go for that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so team dinner was sweet, man. That was so much fun. And um, you made the comment, you're like, dude, racers are awesome because as soon as it became like 750, dude, everybody turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, it, was it was like, like out. out. <laughs> Three glass slippers were left on the porch, but people were, <laughs> yeah, they were gone. Uh, bike racers and, um, 
people with kids are the other great people to go like socialize with. Because oh, yeah. like, yeah, you have to deal with their kids a little bit. But usually by about seven o'clock, they're like, you need to be gone from their house if you're visiting them. And if they're at your house, they'll leave super fast. Yeah, I, I love those fixed constraints. That's why like I'll go to a concert at Fiddler's Green here uh-huh. in Denver. But uh, I won't go to, to one end at Red Rocks. Sur- yeah. Yeah. Because the noise ordinance for Fiddler's Green has got to be done by 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Red Rocks, the actual person you paid to see doesn't even think about starting until after 10 p.m. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm all the way out. Like, yeah. I'm asleep. I can't yeah. even I don't I can't know what to tell it. you. Uh, so, yeah, team dinner was awesome. Uh, I had a thought. Oh, um, it was funny. I, uh, I, I, I hauled out my race tote. That didn't see the light of day from All last year. year. Yeah, you. you <laughs> said, how many things did you throw away out of your race tote that you thought were bad? A lot. Yeah, like, <laughs> most of it. There's a lot. There was like, uh, I think I had three or four waffles. I had a three containers, like three old version containers ago of amp. Like the the very first year we started using amp, which probably doesn't go bad, but maybe it does. So here's a problem with. With how you see things, because you're you're the bike shop owner guy, so <laughs> you get all this shit for pennies on the dollar, right? Like so to speak. Everyone on our team that's listening to this right now is like, "Wait, dude, you threw away a thing of amp and four waffles? Like, I would have totally used that. <laughs> I would. I personally will eat the crustiest, nastiest waffle. Like, hey, these things. I remember you had some at the shop. You're like, dude, I think these things are about to expire. Like, you want to buy them for cheap? I'm like, yeah, I will buy all of them, and I'll probably still keep them for four months. Yeah. That so. To be perfectly clear, I do keep old food, but like year and a half old food, and I think it was older than that because God knows when we got it into the shop. Right, right, right. But the race tote was from Breck Epic that year, so it was yeah. it's probably two years old. Yeah, that's a lot. Of it's stuff. old enough to just let it go. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, there was a bunch of shit in there and tons of bottles. I was like, man, where are all my E three bottles? I like eight E three bottles in my tote. <laughs> Good feeling to get all that stuff out. Yeah, it was fun. It was like uh, like a scene out of the movie where like they pull out the old book and like <laughs> blow the dust off the top. <laughs> um, I think oh. I said to you about that. I go, I like Race Harley. Yeah, I think yeah. I made that comment to you in the last couple weeks. Yeah, man, I love Race Harley. Race Harley's better than not Race Harley. Yeah, and nothing against not not Race Harley. Good guy. Race yeah. Harley, better guy. Um, but I bring up the race tote because I brought. Um, I brought a ton of stuff. I brought protein powder. I brought way more carbo rocket than I knew I was going to need. I bought um, some beet juice powder um, and most notably uh, a jar of peanut butter and a tub of collagen protein powder. And I knew once the peanut butter and the collagen protein powder hit the counter, like everybody was like, oh, I didn't bring my collagen or, oh, I want to try it or like, it was just a sacrificial lamb. Like, yeah. I, there's just some things in that setting that you just know you get. Like, if there's any left, you get to take it home. <laughs> I, uh, if you recall, I brought a store. See, because <laughs> I knew I knew people were going to. So I brought no ride around socks. I brought amp lotion. I yeah. bought. I brought um, some new. I was like, okay, who's buying what? Because I know y'all forgot stuff. Everybody forgot stuff. Yeah, yeah I was getting Venmo's left and right. Nobody perfect. messed with the carbo right. Everybody had their own for the most part, but. But the, the collagen powder and, and everybody forgot pro, pow, uh, peanut butter. Like, how do you forget peanut butter? How, Pe- as a bike racer, yeah. how do you not have peanut butter? Speaking of Carborocket, they've reloaded, which is nice online. Dude. But prior to that reload, 
uh, it was pretty slim, like on what they had, because they just been getting it's, it's popular, right? Dude, it was dicey. Yeah, and uh, we were like, people were. Do you got any scoops of of black cherry? I don't really like the lemonade that much, but it's all I have. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I preloaded all my bottles. Yeah. For Abby and myself, uh-huh. and we only brought our bottles that had the scoops already in them. That yeah. was like, sorry, dude, preloaded. Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring a bag because, like you said, that lamb was getting slaughtered. Yeah, I didn't bring. <laughs> Nobody messed with like the as much. I brought a bag. I brought two full bags basically, and everybody had their own shit. So yeah, the carbo rocket everybody had. I have to give them huge customer service credit. Um, black cherry is my favorite. Okay. Came into stock. I, of course, like I did it from my phone as fast as I could, as fast as my little fingers would do the Apple Pay. And two hours later, I get to work. Like I did it, confirmed it, whatever, got to work and uh, was checking email at work. And it was like, oh, your monthly subscription um, is confirmed. And not only had I accidentally subscribed to like a monthly refresh, but I also forgot to use the promo code for the team and uh, it was the beginning of work. And so I just had the thought, ah, you know what? I'll deal with this later. I don't, I don't have time for this right now and not for nothing. So I got to pay full, I pay full price for one bag, whatever. Right. I get an email from their customer service saying, Hey, did you mean to subscribe monthly? Cause all your past orders have been single orders. I was like, no, thank you for catching it. This is awesome. Also, can you retroactively put my promo code on? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. So I just thought that was like, yeah, I was, I was like awesome work guys. So that's cool because, uh, tangent, uh, I've noticed with service based industries, now they're a product, right? But she was calling you from customer service. She was customer service, but service industries, most notably like, uh, coffee shops and restaurants lately, uh, post COVID, the, like the onus of responsibility to be served is not on the ser- on the wait staff anymore. It's on the customer, right? Like because with COVID, there's been all these different policies. Like, hey, we do like you order a window here, you pick up there, mm-hmm. you do this. We book our t- all book, all tables have to be booked on reservation. Like there's all these policies to like having navigated the COVID thing that now it, it's like a pain in the ass to try to be served somewhere. Yeah, like. I've had I had a few instances over the last few travel weekends where I'm like, no, dude, I just want I want to like buy this thing that you have. <laughs> well, you need to do it this way with this thing and down and like I have 18 different logins for 25 different reservation systems because mm-hmm. every restaurant like it's weird how the industry has just moved where the service like to get served you have to do a bunch of stuff as the customer, which more than just paying with your wallet, you know. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, and again, tangent think a lot of it is they built all those systems for running reduced staff right and the staff hasn't come back well staff like and staff won't come back like every every business has a sign that says need help hiring this people just people can't find employees i have an 18 foot tall pile of cardboard behind the shop right now yeah i've seen it and i called our recycling people and they're like well we we pick up recycling when we can because there's nobody to drive the trucks and we have to pick up the trash. So we have to prioritize trash routes over recycling routes. Wow. You want another, yeah. You want another one? Maybe I use all that cardboard to build a plane because I got an email this morning from Southwest <laughs> Airlines 
That said, uh, for our trip for Big Bear, uh, for the Grizzly 100 in September, I've already booked the flights because, like, Southwest ran some promo or something. Yeah. And I got an email this morning. Your flight has changed. Click here for the updated itinerary. So I look at it, and, and the flight is still leaving at the same time, but it's getting in, like, multiple hours later. I'm like, this is weird. So I pull it open, and my direct flight, Denver to Ontario, like, outside L.A., direct flight Southwest, is now got me flying from Denver to Albuquerque, Albuquerque to Phoenix, Phoenix to Ontario. Do you have to deplane, or could you just sit in one spot? No, no, it's three different flight numbers. Oh, fuck off. And so I looked at it, and I was like, this was the solution. Like, this is what you guys (laughs) This is the most efficient. Yeah, and so the email said, it said, hey, due to to reduce staff and and restraints, we've had to make a change to our blah, 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 so this is your deal. Like, it was a two-stop thing to get. I could have driven to fucking L.A., right? And so... I'm like, uh, no, that's all the way not going to work. And so we'll pivot on this. But, yeah, I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, yeah. The solution for not having an extra, I don't know, whatever it was, a flight attendant or something. So I just flew, and my flight was delayed three hours. It's uh, baggage handlers. Ah. Like the – it's going to sound worse than I mean it to sound, but, like, the skilled part of the whole thing, like the guys who, like, fly the planes, they're good – the people who are trained with like medical services and emergency situations, they're good. It's the people who chuck bags. So how about the easy button? Hey, uh, from moving forward, carry-ons only. Something. I don't know. What a, what a zoo. It, it's, you know, hey, it's just another thing. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, anyway, circling back around. Awesome, awesome team dinner. Um, and then yeah, I guess we got to dig into the meat and potatoes of the race. Yeah, so, you know, um, with Firecracker 50, for those that aren't familiar, it starts as the 4th of July Parade in Breckenridge, and there's, there's multiple categories, but mainly we're going to say that there, is, there are people that are doing it solo, so two 25-mile laps, and there are people that do it as a team where you do a 25-mile lap, and then you have to, it's kind of cool they did it this way, you have to actually exchange the number plate at the transition at the end of the lap uh, onto your partner's bike, and then they take off for their lap, and that was actually where we had most of our racers were mm-hmm. in the duo. You know, we had, like yeah, we had six solos, but uh, we had we had quite a bit of duo yeah, teams. We probably had six duo teams. Yeah, or which more. made it really fun. Um, sidebar about the number plate. So I did the first lap. My teammate Shane did the second lap. And uh, Monday morning, I I didn't like. I didn't even think about the number plate. Um, and uh, he comes. Him and his wife are taking off back to Denver, trying to beat traffic. Uh, he comes up to me. He's like, what do you want to do with this? I was like, well, you definitely rode the faster time, so you get the plate. <laughs> he's like, is that how it works? I was like, I don't know, but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. Like, if you rode the better time, like, keep the plate. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Colin, Colin was my partner. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he just, I rode the first lap. He rode the second lap, so the plate was on his bike. Yeah. And so, uh yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it until just this moment. It's not adorned across my wall of plates. Yeah. But uh, it's with the right person. I'm glad For sure, yeah. yeah. And that was how I definitely felt about it. Like, yeah. Like, in that scenario, in my team, like, the person who should have it took it home. Yeah, yeah. Mine as well. Um, I did make sure that Abby took hers home, though. Yeah. Sorry, Em. <laughs> need one on the wall. But if you guys ever do a relay, you know, I think. Fastest the, person gets the number plate. Yeah, I think so. The, yeah. Because then there's the the competition within the competition, 
right? Yeah, which, which let's be real. Like, even though we're all on a team, and yeah. that's what's unique about us. Like, Oh, we were competing for yeah, sure. We there. all race each other, but, like, there's racing somebody, and I'm willing to throw, like, a stick in their spokes, and then yeah. there's racing somebody, and, like, I'm still super happy for, like, whatever happens both yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel about, like, racing our teammates, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but, like, when it's somebody who... I, maybe I am like the avowed guy now because, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I really do have like a gang colors thing with our team. Meaning, like, when no, you're I, in our colors, I, I, I get I'm it. all for you. Yeah. But if you're not in our colors, we're going to tear your face off. Yeah. But like, you're cool too, but I'm still going to tear your face yeah, off. We'll feed you, but we'll also murder you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to feed you your own arm. <laughs> but like, you have a ton of condiments. Yeah. Um, I, but I felt that at Firecracker because there's some other people that I knew that were there, but they're like not not on our team. And they're like, hey, what's up, dude? From like over there. Like, hey, you cool over there. Um, this is like where, where we are. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we roll out. Um, it, was, uh, it was a day on the bike. I got to admit, I wasn't happy with how I did that nope. day. No. Um, and you, I mean, you knew that. I was just frustrated. I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset. I wasn't discouraged. Um, it was kind of weird, though, because you did. You did come through. Like, um, I think you underperformed what your expectation was, and you came through like acknowledging that. But then, when you looked at all your data, data was good, but it could have been better. And I think that's I. I know, and you know. I just knew that there was better in there and you know I, I had a pretty significant crash in the last like six miles that definitely like I sat down and thought about life for a minute <laughs> like I tore my I tore my bibs I reopened how'd you the, crash let's, let's hear about it because people love the crashes god it was stupid man because like I had gotten through all the hard stuff so there's you know there's the first big or the first kind of long descent um, after you do the initial climb. Um, yeah, you have the fire road that you're ripping down at like 30 miles but, an hour. And, and I never, I have, like my recall on some of this stuff isn't great, but do you descend the single track? You kind of descend single track to the fire road, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So smash that single track, like caught and passed a ton, like was riding really good. Uh, did the Sally whatever uh, fire road descent, which is rip roaring fast, but yeah. it's pretty straight. It's straight, but it's fast. It's, it's fast. I like, mean, you're over you, thirty. Easy. I mean, yeah. I think my top speed was in the mid thirties. Um, um, and then it was so. I, and then there's another pretty steep fire or like Jeep road descent, like really steep. Uh, got through that. Like I got through all the hard stuff, which was the dumb thing, right? Like I got through the. Anything that anybody would qualify as like a challenging mountain bike descent on that course, I got through. Um, there's the traverse coming off a little French that a lot of people get sketched out about because it's off camber and it's quite the tumble down. Um, and uh, I got through that like no problem. Like rode that totally confidently. Got stuck behind all the traffic. Yeah. Like I passed two people right before we started. I was like, hey, can I get this pass? And one person was kind of cool, and another person was kind of a dick. Um, and then I, I bridged up to, I saw another person, I bridged up to them and then it was just a conga line of 35 people. So I was like, what are you gonna do? You yeah. Gonna yeah ask that, 35 people to, to get off the trail for you. Yeah, and there's no, nowhere, that, there's not a safe place yeah, to pass place, on that. You, you can't pass right there. I got stuck behind people there also. Um, 
so there is uh, there's not a ton of fire road descending on this on this race, but there's enough. And the spot that I I mean I I wasn't going as fast as I was on that first fire road descent, but damn close. Um, it's really straight and really fast, and then there's it's not sharp it's a kind of sweeping left-hand turn and it goes into that weird little traverse with like the small aspen trees gotcha um blew it out blew the corner as much as you can blow blow a corner and absolutely slammed i mean ton of bricks i didn't get a foot out i didn't get an arm out which is probably good because i probably broken something if i stuck my arm out um but Insult to injury. <laughs> Two weeks prior to the race, I had a very small, low speed, insignificant tip over and like skinned the outside of my left shin. Thursday before the race, I was doing openers at Ruby Hill. Had tore a off this cabs. Crashed on that, <laughs> tore off the. You have like this. You it's, have this. It's pretty people can't up. see it's, it. No, yeah. it does not healed up. It looks like you have uh, leprosy yeah. on your left leg. Um, and, uh, so, you know, Thursday before firecracker and it wasn't like a significant crash then either. It was another just stupid little washout reopened it. And then at, at firecracker dumping it at, you know, over 30 miles an hour on a fire road, hit the ground, like a ton of bricks, tore my shorts, blew the, like tore my, I put brand new grips on my bike cause I crashed on them. <laughs> had to get more new grips after that um and uh yeah it was it was it, it was a i i've had worse crashes result wise like what the end result of the crash was i don't know if i've ever hit the ground that hard yeah um the one side of my hip like when i put lycra on what like my left side i looked like very curvaceous on you that side Shakira ass. <laughs> that dude all the way um, but that happened, it's hard, you know, that, that probably happened around mile 19 or so. And then getting back on the bike and mustering it up for the last like six mile post, anytime you get back on the bike in a crash, now, like if you're in a hot to trot race and it's like super speedy and the intensity is way high, you can just pop on and like not think about it. What do you got to pop on? And then I, I recall like where you get on there, you have to ride uphill for a little bit, like riding uphill. Well, it's that chunky bit at the end where crash. it's up and down oh, yeah. and you yeah. know, it's, you, you get your feelings a little bit. Yeah, it was. So, and just the end of the race, I didn't execute well. I actually felt pretty okay, but, um, I think, uh, there's a racer, Alex wild, who's on the orange seal team. And I, we kind of banter on Instagram here and there and, Super nice guy, very responsive. Um, he kind of has a twenty-four hour rule. Yeah, like, and I, 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 and I think that works. Like, feel as shitty as you need to feel for twenty-four hours, but then like, it's time to move on and figure out how to improve. Yeah, that's one of the um, like Friel's big concepts with coaching, mm-hmm. right? Is is just that like, same with celebration too. Like, yeah. you get twenty-four hours to celebrate. Yeah, or twenty-four hours to pout. And then it's like, okay, then move on. Like, just like I said, with, like, we all have to go grocery shopping when we get back from mm-hmm. weekend of racing. Like, life goes on type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I actually watched you come around from that a little bit. You were starting to a little bit on Monday morning. And then by the time you get into Tuesday and you start looking at the next thing, which was yeah. Silver Rush, it's like, okay, 
Well, yeah, I, I, there's just, uh, I think one of my strengths, like if outside looking in, if I could do that, I think one of my strengths as a, as a bike racer is that I'm eternally optimistic that I can be better. Yeah. Like it may not always produce and become, but I always think I can do better than that. And I let myself feel pretty shitty about how I did at firecracker. Now I didn't do the worst on the team. Um, I certainly didn't do the worst at the race. Um, and I just, it, it's, it's frustrating. And I think, you know, when we talked on Monday before I left, it's just frustrating to put in more work than you've ever put in and still essentially yield the same result as you did two years prior. Um, and again, I wasn't upset. I was just like fucking frustrated, right? Like, and there's a, I think there's a, a, a pretty big difference, um, and so, but, you know, so then I get, you know, I had a two and a half hour fucking drive home, uh, by myself and, uh, did you see me pass you when I was yeah, in there? I did. You did? Yeah. Cause I threw a horn out. Dude, I don't even know. I, yeah, I heard you. Um, I don't know if, if I even told you this, I almost like all the way ran out of gas in the van. Oh shit. Yeah. Like limping into Georgetown to get fuel stopped at the very first gas station that you hit when you get off of the interstate out of diesel. Oh no. Anyway. Um, yeah, I blast you on that. I was all about that express lane. Yeah. Like they couldn't, they couldn't have priced me out of that express lane. The amount of traffic. <laughs> Dude. I, it wouldn't, if I would have looked up and said a hundred dollars, right, I'm like, well, that's a, yeah. as you guys like to say, that's a later me problem. Yeah. Um, fine. Like scan the license. Scan plate. The license I'll be, plate, I'll be pissed it. in like five days when I get the thing in the mail. But right now I want to be home. Yeah. Um, but you know, having, having that kind of time by yourself post intensity gives a lot of room for, for, uh, reflection and time to figure things out. It's not a physical problem. It's not a, a skin and be, you know, meat and bones problem. It's a brain problem. Right. And that's where I got. And we've talked, yeah, that's what, well, and we're getting ahead of it cause we're going to cover that in the next episode of like yeah. what it feels like to be victorious when you can capture that. But, um, kind of what I was saying earlier, it's this idea of having, an effortless performance, we can build these things up to be huge, uh, which is what, like, one of the things I love most about endurance racing is that, like, if you're out there long enough, if you do a race that's over five hours, for instance, right, mm. like, something is not going to go right most of the time, mm-hmm. and and when that happens, the endurance racer has to just adapt and be like, okay, well, I'm going to deal with this now, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, twist these two spokes together because this one broke and because that's the option I have. Right. And it kind of, and, and it, and it's nice when those things do happen, not that you want them to, right. but when they do, then you go, Oh, I can still go on. And it, and it pulls that brain out of it a little bit. And that has to happen with endurance racing. And, you know, when we're prepping for a race and prepping the bike and prepping the, you know, the plan or the strategy, like we really focus on the minute, right? The mm-hmm. little pieces. Yeah. And it can sometimes just, uh, paralyze us from just going out and doing the damn thing for sure um and i think when i reflect back on my day at firecracker um i just i i think i don't deal with that tire and that piece of trail and that climb and that person in front of me and that person behind me and that aid station i'm like thinking about silver rush or leadville or laruda like i'm not being present. Yeah. And then when you're not present, it's easy to 
lose focus on the task at hand. And then when you lose focus, it's like that quicksand thing where performance just starts going down and down and down and down and down. And so I think it has everything to do with like being focused on that bike race, like whatever. Yeah. You got silver rush in a week, you got Leadville in a month after that, but you're here right now. Like deal with this problem right now. And I do that in every other, every other facet of my life. Like, and I tell people that all the time. You even do it in your training rides. Like I do, like I tell people so much, like, like what does focusing on five problems from now solve? Like focus on this problem. I tell it to my wife. I tell it to my employees. It's like a super common thing because you can't deal with the other problems until you finish the one in front of you. But then here I am in a bike race, like worrying about three races down. Like what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like (laughs) you're like, you're tapering for Leadville in, in, in the during, in, during, during the firecrackers. Fire <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, that's uh, cool to be able to recognize that though, because that is your biggest limiter. Yeah, it's it it has I'm in as good a bike shape as I've ever been. And so if all of that's right, and then I fixed my nutrition, you know, we I learned some hard lessons with Carbo Rocket and our training ride up in Leadville, fixed that, started eating oatmeal again, even though I don't really want to, but it works. Uh, uh, you know, so if you, it's, you know, and again, it's, it's, you can't fix these other problems until you solve the, the, you know, the one that you're dealing with. And so, you know, when you get to a performance, okay, I fixed the nutrition, I fixed the, this, I fixed the, that I've trained a bunch, I've got the conditioning. Okay. What, what, what's last, you know, what, what can you deal with now? And it's like, well, get your fucking mind right, dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and uh, that race format too. As much as the duo teams are super fun, yeah, it's not the same as going out and doing a race by yourself because your results not just yours, right? And there's like a fun factor to it. I uh, I think there were like 122 men's duo teams or something like that. Yeah, it was 124. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like whether you finish 24th or 58th or 86th, like whatever is like about having a good time, you know? And so it makes that easier sometimes to either race free if you take it as an advantage or race like, yeah, whatever, dude. And, um, you know, I, we, I had a, I had to find way, I had to find ways to be competitive because we were, Colin and I were in a category that doesn't exist. Yeah. So we were men's duo team single speed, which which doesn't Everything exists up to the, the lack of gears. Yeah. So we just raced everyone on the men's duo team period. Yeah. So you're like, well, I'm not going to be, we, we can't be competitive in that full field at the same level. Right. Like it's just NASCAR versus IndyCar. It doesn't work. Um, so what are you going to do to like stay engaged? Mm-hmm. And so finding those little tricks, I was able to find some tricks to stay engaged. Um, but it's hard. You got to dig a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the failed GoPro footage. Yeah. Right. Dude. So, it would have been so cool to have it. So cool to have the whole thing. Yeah, that freaking GoPro. Yeah, you had the great idea. Oh, man, GoPro the race. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It was just it was so cool. And, you know, we've been being pretty consistent about taking video yeah. for the whole, like, you know, how, whatever it may be, like a little minute Instagram video or, you know, you've been doing some seven and eight minute long videos. How cool would it have been to just have the whole course Lockdown. Yeah, it would have been sweet. 
However, <laughs> this is my first time oh, racing. Dude, we a can talk about your bike. dropper post. Oh yeah, no. So the whole bike rattled apart. Thanks a lot for building that. You and Colin did a real <laughs> bang up job. So <laughs> race starts, got the GoPro, it's cool, we're going doing the parade. And then it was neat to be able to catch the no rider on racers that had started ahead of me. And so you get footage of me catching them, it's gonna be cool, and then it starts to get chunky, it's fun, passing people, having a good time, and then Next thing you know, I'm like looking down and, and I hear a rattle and I'm like, oh shit, my bike's falling apart. It was my first time racing a carbon single speed. So I just have the expectation that it's going to break in half. And so rolling and I'm like, what's that rattle? I look down, what's that rattle? And the GoPro is now like rattled loose and it's spinning back and like facing back at me. The mountain just didn't, didn't hold up. Yeah. Um, most of the GoPro footage we've been making, I'm doing on a bike that's got like 160 mil front and rear travel, super squish. Right. Not a, the lightest, stiffest. Yeah, 20 pound carbon race rocket yeah so uh so yeah trying to stop the gopro remove the mount and do that all at race speed uh was more challenging than, than i thought it would be and but but was able to complete it so that comes off like cool i pull the gopro shove it in my back jersey pocket in a way that the screw is just poking in the middle of my back the rest of the race for the whole rest of the day awesome appreciated that gopro so keep going keep hammering and then you know pass some people making my move like having a good time dude i was like putting down a pretty good time and then I hear another rattle. I'm like, what the hell is this rattle now? <laughs> done. And the uh, fancy schmancy access dropper lever starts loosening up on me. And now it's like spinning 360 on the on that star bolt right there, right? It's just yep. spinning around. So I am able to wedge it against a handlebar. And I'm like, well, it's not spinning. That was the first problem. So going up. And I think the descent that you, not the descent you mailed it in on the, one of the fire roads that was like really rutted out. Yeah. I come up on that. And I'm afraid to touch the dropper lever because I've got it positioned that it's not. So that it won't fall off. Yeah. And so because like, it falling off is a $200 plus problem. That's a $200 issue. Yeah. Yeah. It falls off. I'm stopping. Like, I don't stop to pee. I don't stop to adjust a seat. I don't stop if I break a spoke. Yeah. Hell, I don't even stop sometimes if I blow a tire. Like, I mean, I've ridden on Cushcorf before. Yeah. But if I drop a $200 dropper lever, yeah. like, I'm stopping. So. Stop got a wedge i do this descent and i leave the dropper post up and just reminded myself that i will never have a mountain bike without a dropper post ever <laughs> that was terrible yeah like i don't care what you weight weenies think uh those of you that run stiff posts or rigid posts but it's never going to happen like i'm dropper all day so i get to the next descent and I, I, I gotta push this dropper down and so i i push the lever and it loosens from the bar now it's spinning around again and, and what happens happens it ejected on me I lock up the brakes and now I'm like running through the back against race traffic I just passed to grab my $200 dropper lever <laughs> and uh, shove it underneath my bibs, hop back on the bike. And then the rest of the race using my dropper lever, fortunately it's Bluetooth, is just trying to find it somewhere in my kit to push the button. Like under the like strap yeah. of your, your short, right? Yeah, like I put it under there, kind of like where you put a goo packet wrapper or something. But then as you're pedaling, you know, your leg's moving, it's moving around. So like, yeah. next thing you know, it's like close to my junk. And <laughs> like, so you got a picture of me. You got a crotch dropper. Yeah, you got me coming <laughs> on a descent and I'm like grabbing my junk. Like, yeah. man, that guy really likes descending. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but it worked enough to get me to the finish line. Uh, but boy, that was awkward. And uh, we proceeded to, to dump, I think, half a bottle of Loctite on that bolt when we yeah. put that dropper back on. <laughs> so... Uh, so I had to laugh. I, I, I know the emotion of like feeling bad that your bike isn't complete. Right. You come upstairs and you were super nice. You cleaned everybody's bikes except for mine. Cause mine was in the van and you're like, I dude, should, should have taken it. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, 
I took a bolt off of Abby's bike so that my bike was fixed and hers wasn't. <laughs> For no reason other than just the drive. It was literally just going to be driven home. Yep. But I, my OCD is, I guess, probably on par with yours. Yeah. Like, nothing can be wrong. Like, I, lo- I lose my mind. Yeah. In, in the idea of like, hey, that's good enough. Like, no. no I can't They're do good, it. I, I, don't get it twisted. I do good enough in other areas of my life, right? It's the, fir- it's the morning after Taco Tuesday, and I'm like, it's good enough. I'll take a shower later. Right, <laughs> like, right. I have yeah. some good enough moments, but not with the bike, dude. Like, I want everything to be, yeah, so I stole a bolt off her bike. I right. asked her, I go, do you plan on riding today? And she goes, no, I don't think so. Cool. Yoink. Yoink. Because uh, <laughs> this is gone. Yeah. So, but uh, it all worked out. Our our, um, our plate transition went went pretty well, but we were the only idiots with zip ties. Oh, you guys had legit zip ties. We yeah, had, like, I had the twist ties. No, and so normally we, I would never do twist ties, but but for the transition, there was a lot of focus on like what's the fastest way to transfer this. No, I saw people that had like um, they had Ziploc baggies strapped to old number plates on their bikes, so then. They could just swap the number plate out from one ziplock to the next ziplock, right? Because, and I was like, okay, you guys, how much time are you saving uh, like how much to have a yeah. ziplock noise yeah. the whole lap? Like the whole lap, you're gonna see and hear that thing flapping around to save you like what, eight seconds. If anybody ever does Firecrack 50 and they ever do a, a duo, there's two ways to do it. Either use the little bread twist ties, totally fine, which is totally fine. Or go full nerd and get like two sided Velcro strips. That's yeah. the only that anything outside of that is a waste of time. The Velcro, the Velcro concept was a good a good plan. Um, the only deal is like you know what's really slow having your number plate blow off and then having to chase it down. That happened to me at eighteen hours of Fruta. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, that was a lot. That was an issue. <laughs> no, that, was, uh, that was a big problem. Uh, anyway, but. It was cool, man. We got uh, you know the duo teams come through, make their transitions. The solo guys start finishing. Uh, the duo teams are finishing, and you know I'm so proud of our team because everybody, as we always do, as as per typical with our racing, everyone's at the finish line for every person, um, from the first one through to the last one through. Um, we had a couple people not finish. You know, Chad, Chad destroyed Chad his a, bike. He had a bad um, mechanical, and I really. Like I summoned summoned every ounce of mechanical ability I had, and I felt bad. I the one tool that I didn't bring was I I was like I'm gonna bring a derailleur alignment gauge, and then I didn't. That was hard, and that would have saved it. Yeah, I so, felt I actually felt a lot of personal responsibility there. He was super fast though. He was I think like fifth wheel into the single track. Yeah, he was dicing it up with the big boys. Yeah, so he was up there. Um, and then a couple other guys like crashed out a bit, had some like some back, had a back I forgot crash. Alex had a crash. So, uh, but for the most part, dude, everybody came through. Everyone was jubilant. Everyone was jacked up. We had some good. Um, Josh, new teammate who I just met. Yeah. He won his division. Yeah, he won men's sport top yeah. box podium. Yeah. It's cool. Um, that was our, that was our podium. That was our podium. Yeah. So because uh, <laughs> Rob got lost. Yeah, Rob got lost again. <laughs> Rob, I was so used to Rob getting podiums. I was like, why didn't Rob put? Oh, he, he got lost. Yeah, And he got lost in the next race, too. Rob gets lost a lot. And as you noticed, he gets lost because he's like, he's hate pedaling, you said? Yeah, he hate pedals. Yeah, like he looks down his bike and just hate pedals. Yeah, I saw him at Silver Rush. And every team, every team member I saw, I shouted no to ride around out or, you know, something to acknowledge. Except for Elander, who was just... Setting everything on fire. Actually, I did yell at him, but I don't think it. He, he was 
You, have you ever tried to yell at a rocket ship before? I, I think I did. It doesn't hear because you. Because it has the afterburners. And, uh, and after the race, come to find out, like everybody acknowledged me except for Brian and Rob. And, uh, and Rob knew I was there, but he was hate-pedaling his bike. Just looking down. Just looking down. Well, so, uh, you know, Colin did uh, the G3 a few weeks back. And uh, he raced single speed, and uh, a fellow racer was like, this is a really steep climb, so don't look ahead. Just look at your front tire. If you don't look ahead, it's not a climb. <laughs> like, and I think, that's, I think that's a pretty common practice for a lot of people, on, unlike non-technical climbs. Obviously, you have to look forward on yeah, it. But yeah, like, yeah. You know, when you're grinding out, a lot of these races use fire road to get elevation and mileage. You know what I you know what I do? This is a little trick I use. Especially when I'm racing courses that I haven't pre-ridden the whole thing or or have like great course understanding. Uh, on my computer, I now I no longer even use the data where I'm seeing heart rate and power, speed, time. I don't even use the map because like the maps are really I don't care how good your computer is, the maps are pretty shitty. Like it's a tiny little arrow following a thing and there's mm-hmm. drift. So but I'll tell you, the topo screen. Mm-hmm. I live now. I live and die on the topo screen because I can just see like, oh, if the whole screen is an up line, okay, this is a long climb. Right? <laughs> eventually, I think my screen shows like two miles worth of trail. Yeah. Like eventually, it's going to be. And as soon as you see that line change to like it almost being over, it is such a uh, motivating screen for me to watch. Yeah. And it also tells me like, oh, this is a super short climb. I can just attack, or this is a long descent. So I actually moved to just looking at the topo. At all times, I don't see any data. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Be- because for me, my race strategy is I ride every part of the trail as hard as I can. So- it's interesting. Like, I, I definitely, uh, how much is the data worth really while you're riding? Well, so, so it's worth one thing. There's only one thing, uh, two. Okay, there's two things that the data does. One, it can keep you honest. So if you go, Man, I'm trying really hard, and you look down, and your heart rate's like, uh, no, you're not. Yeah. It can keep you honest, especially when you're by yourself. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have anything to gauge off. I'm not catching people or running from people. I'm kind of alone. That can help a bit, but I think more than anything is it becomes a limiter for us. Mm-hmm. Because if you look down and see you are trying really hard, we do this thing where we're like, oh, I got to back it off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, what for? Well, because I got to back, gotta, gotta back it off and preserve, save it or, or whatever. For what? Like when later in the race are you going to go, oh, remember like three hours ago? Yeah, you got a little bit left. When I backed off, I'm going to use that energy. You don't. So I actually think that people look at the data and they put limits in, in ceilings, because that's just what they've always done. Or like, hey, I know when my heart rate's at 158 that that's not sustainable, so I got to bring it down a little bit. But you're racing. You should be doing stuff that's not sustainable. Well, also like your body's smarter than you are. Right. Like it'll slow things down if it needs to slow things down. But what's our what's our whole strategy for race fuel? Like we're doing carbo rocket. Like the whole purpose is that you can continue to perform. That's why you're taking all of this in. Mm-hmm. So I really think looking at data uh, does more damage than good. Yeah. Unless you can acknowledge that that's a potential pitfall and say I use it to keep myself honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this saving yourself for later in the race it doesn't happen. Yeah. 
Well, all in all, I think it was uh, it was one of the best bike racing weekends I've ever had. And I've had some bangers. Like, I've had some amazing weekends. Yeah, right? I, like, I put it up with, in terms of the energy, it was very similar to the energy we had during Breck Epic. And obviously not as intense and as long. But that same energy where you're like, this is only about food and bikes and, yeah. and bros. Yep. And by bros, I mean we had tons of women on our team racing yeah. too. So yeah. They're all bros. Universal. Yeah. Non, non-gender specific bros. How about those sunglasses that I uh, no very swiftly no took off no pit vipers I gave they them away have. I gifted them the problem is I gifted them you give them to somebody that lives in the same house as you <laughs> yeah I know that that's a problem <laughs> that doesn't really count they're terrible they're so bad I'm sorry like I'm going to, I'm going to go on record right now no ride around will never in any way shape or form have an affiliation through sponsorship with pit viper sunglasses it's never going to happen yeah ever. No, they're no, terrible. Bad. And they're not good glasses. Yeah, no, they're, they're terrible. I, I was trying to be fun 4th of July guy, and that guy can stay at the Lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, massive thanks to all the people that were there. Um, there was a lot of uh, significant others uh, that were very supportive, even though the, this bike racing thing is super not their thing. Um, and so they, they definitely deserve a, a thank you because, you know, my wife's been in it for so long um, that, you know, she's happy to come along if I ask, but she certainly doesn't volunteer at this point. Um, and, and she doesn't race. Um, and so there's no real draw uh, for her. But, you know, there was there was a number of, uh, like I said, a number of, of accessory family members that came out and were big supporters and you know, pretty patient with a bunch of basically amateur bike racers. Yeah, it, w- it was it was cool because we go to back to the tents, and I was like, I, I remember like we started the race, and there was n- we weren't even at the tent. There was nothing there. I came back after my lap, and it looked like like Whole Foods. Oh, it was and a family Costco, affair. Yeah, like blew up under our tents. Yeah. I was like, where are all? Where did all this shit come from? Yeah, yeah. There was there was a uh, yeah because we went and set the tents up the night before but then you know, we were hanging out there before the parade started and it was kind of just us like last little bit of food little theragun action and then we came back and it was like everybody was there yeah it was a full-on scene it was pretty it was pretty neat but uh you know i also a little tip of the hat to to jeff who runs firecracker 50 um i think unfairly last year i was like man it's kind of wacky he's not doing it but that guy is true to who he is meaning he has one vision of the way Firecracker 50 goes off, yeah. and it's a huge party. It's a bunch of fun and tons of people, and he was unwilling to do it any other way. And, um, well, he came through in 2021 and made it freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, when you – it's kind of like Leadville, too. Like, Leadville kind of has to be one thing. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely the same for Firecracker 50. Like, a watered-down, diluted version of it is just another bike race. Um, and so it, it was – it was, it was a party. Yeah, it was a party. It was all the way wow. a party. I think, it, it, you know, we've been on our calendar now two out of the last three years. Both years that it's been in a row we've been yeah, doing Yeah, that it. it's been, you've been able to. Yeah, I mean, it would have been on the calendar last year yeah. had, had it happened. So I think that next year would be the same deal. And yep. God, that was so much fun. So Yeah, it's a, it's a good weekend. Um, well, that's all I got for that race. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, if you guys have any, like, if we missed, for those of you that raced, if we missed your shout-out and you had some cool, crazy story, please pop on our uh, pop on our socials or on the website and shoot us over the, those little snippets. We tried to capture as much as we could with, like, video and chatting with you guys. But if we missed anything, 
uh, let us know. And if by chance we uh, are, are talking to you and you're the guy that tried to pass me, um, I just want to let you know, like, good luck, bro. Better luck next time. This guy called out. I passed this dude. And then as soon as I got past him, like maybe like 20 yards later, he comes rolling up on me. He's like asking for the pass right back. And I looked back and I don't do this very often, but I just look back and go, don't worry, bro. I'm going to drop you in like two seconds <laughs> and just blasted off on this dude on the next climb. He was on a geared bike and uh, he somehow caught back up and uh, on a fire road, right? Naturally, he's on gears. And he caught back up on a fire road. And he's like, man, you're a, you're a dick. And I was like, no, like I just, I was riding faster than you, man. Like that's just how it works. So he passed me on the fire road all like, you know, Mr. Macho. I end up going and catching back up to him um, on Little French and then sitting on his wheel and the next fire road just blasted by him. And I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't even have a gear. I don't have gears. And just haunted this guy, this poor guy. So I was like, I just came to race a bike and this guy's just mercilessly oh, talking dude, shit. I just was shit talking on this guy. Um, cause I needed an edge. I got yeah. something fun to do. Yeah. So if that's you, dude, realize that like, uh, I mean, I'll race you anytime you want, but that was all just the spirit of good fun. Yeah. That was just all about fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening this time. We'll catch you on the next one. You're weak, you're done!